0: PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hello. Welcome back to Telling Everybody Everything. I've just been very unprofessional and eaten two mint Oreos. And my review is delicious. However, it makes me quite sick to think that mint Oreos are vegan. All Oreos are vegan, which is cool. I like vegan stuff. Like an apple is naturally vegan. Great. Great. But when a biscuit and a biscuit filling are vegan, that can only mean one thing, and that is it's made entirely of sugar. Sugar on the outside, water, flour, sugar on the inside, a bit more water, sugar, 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 sugar. And that is why I'm feeling crazy. Although, what's happening to crazy? What's happening to the word? I feel like it is disappearing soon from our language. Thanks, Kanye. I mean, we're being very careful about the way we discuss Kanye West's mental health at the minute, because mental health is obviously something that affects so much of the population, and it should be treated very delicately. But in this case, I just use it to mean something good. What about TLC, Crazy Sexy Cool? That was a decent album. Britney Spears, You Drive Me Crazy. To say that aged badly would be a gross understatement. I will refer you back to Black Eyed Peas. Let's get it started in here. That is the radio edit. The actual version. Yes, kids, it is the R word. And that just means let's have fun. But I mean, people use people weaponize these words and they use it. Yeah, these words come from a bad place. Their original meaning is bad. Similarly, I learned from my good friend, Susie Dent, that sod off and like oh that poor sod that's a Britishism that you guys seem to use it comes from sodomy and it is actually a gay slur so now I don't use that word either and it's not there's a big conversation now about well you can't say anything anymore you can you can say loads of things if you can't say anything anymore then what what were you talking about before just sodding off and calling people crazy was that the extent of your conversations at dinner parties no you just have to evolve language since the beginning of time has always evolved so that's fine i apologize for saying the oreo was making me crazy can we say like the oreo was making me cray no because that's cultural appropriation as well i'm just educating your parents That's what I'm doing, educating myself and your parents. But what I'm saying is, I enjoyed the Oreo-zuh. Here's what's been happening with Kanye West this week. So to bring you completely up to speed, Kanye West is a very successful, some say genius recording artist. He is currently married to Kim Kardashian West. Please don't pretend like you haven't heard that name. I don't even, that family doesn't even do anything. Stop it. They work 90 hours a week and you know that Kris Jenner works harder than the devil. So Kanye has bipolar disorder. Apparently, this is very public. It's been diagnosed. Very recently, Kanye announced that he would be running for president. And why not? And then he's been on his presidential rally tour saying some very disturbing things. Namely, Harriet Tubman never freed slaves. She just sold them to other white people. Apparently he's been trying to divorce Kim Kardashian for a year. He considered aborting his eldest daughter. He's also got some thoughts on abortion as part of his political platform. He compared Chris Jenner to Kim Jong-un and then he called Chris Jenner's partner Corey Gamble Kamye, which honestly made me laugh. I mean that was funny. But I don't want to go too much into the tweets because this is a person who's not well having an episode and that's the danger of being a a public figure B having access to social media when you're going through an episode like this. I mean, I hope that phones will evolve so that they can detect kind of like a service animal, you know, when you are having an episode of ill mental health or even just when you're drunk. It doesn't seem that far-fetched to install breathalyzers into phones so that you cannot make contact with your ex after a night on the daiquiris. Here's what's confusing. So the whole world are having discussions about mental health, and that is always good. I think it brings progress in one way or another. But Kanye, while he has an illness, he's also a flagrant narcissist, misogynist, and lately he seems very anti-black. And I think it's important not to conflate those two things. It's sort of like when there's a school shooter, and if he's white, people say, oh, he's really mentally ill. Well, that's not really useful to people with mental illness, is it? Because most people, the great, great, grand majority of people who have mental illness aren't going to bring a gun to school. So you must never conflate being kind of a dick or a bad person with mental illness. And it's just really tricky. And that's really what all this is bringing about right now. These conversations. Is the president of the United States mentally ill? A lot of people say yes. Unrelated to that, is he also a bad person? A lot of people say yes. So that's what's going on with Kanye. I don't feel the need to comment on it so much apart from to criticize Culture's reaction, not cult not Cardi B's daughter. No, no, not that culture with a K. I mean culture with a C, like you know, media culture. Um, it's not great to call him crazy. That's obviously not the language that we use to talk about mental health. So if you see that or any jokes about his mental illness, it's just best not to participate in that. It's not nice. Maybe you don't know you're being unkind. It's unkind, but also the blame. On Kim Kardashian. Oh, where is she? Why doesn't she come get her man? Oh, where's Kim and all this? What's she doing to help? How typical of our society to say, well, the woman needs to fix this. You need to point your man's head in the right direction because you are the neck of the relationship. Fuck off. Kim has tried to get doctors to him. She made a very compassionate statement on Twitter today. Fuck all the way, the fuck off. Kim Kardashian and all those Jenner Kardashians. I don't love the fact that they're billionaires. I don't think anybody needs to be a billionaire. But as far as billionaires go, I think they're pretty benevolent and they do a lot of good as well. I'm sorry. These men are not our responsibility. Kim's doing fine. She offered her husband the help that we all hope he gets. What would you really like this mother of four to do? Oh, sorry, kids. Just busy yourselves in one of the rose gardens. I'm going to go drag your father out of his bunker and force him into a Britney Spears-style conservatorship for the rest of his life. There's only so much she can do, and it's not her problem. All you can do as a family member is offer love and support. Ultimately, there's not a lot more than that, but of course our society points fingers at the girl. That's my thoughts on Kanye. This week, My lovely daughter Violet had a sleepover. She has a few sleepovers. Basically, every week we have a few bubble families that we can see. And the girls are 11 and they're getting to the age where they've heard about scary movies. They want to watch scary movies. But it's so difficult to remember. I mean, I remember showing Violet um, the beach. Is that what it's called? With Brooke Shields? Because I remembered that as a wholesome child's movie. It's absolutely not. I had to turn it off when the boy she got shipwrecked with started wanking on a rock it's a it's not an appropriate film for kids and I said it is going to be too scary we're not watching that I thought about Jaws no Poltergeist you can't have them watching that I think a lot of horror movies look funny to children of this generation because they're so used to amazing graphics that what we saw is like a joke but still I had to find the perfect thing and so fear Do you remember Fear? Starring Mark Wahlberg, a very adorable Reese Witherspoon, and of course, it would not be a 90s film without Alyssa Milano. It's great, and I thought, oh, this is what you need to show girls, because the whole premise is don't saddle yourself with a creepy guy. They can be very charming, very good looking, you know, really polite to all the family, but if your parent tells you that he rubs them the wrong way and he has a sinister side, then you need to get out of that relationship quickly before he chops your house down. I won't spoil the ending, but he murders one of her friends. I'm spoiling half of the ending. But anyway, the lesson is clear. Fear is a great movie, a real-life warning for the girls, and it's a thriller. It's not a horror, but you know. And I just, I think I block out every sex scene because I completely forgot about Reese Witherspoon getting fingered on the Ferris wheel Luckily, Bobby remembered in time when the song White Horses came on. We we're like, whoop, this rings a bell from our adolescence. We fast forwarded that. Then he comes into her bedroom when her parents are away. And we know something's going to happen there. We fast forwarded that. The girls basically saw a third of the movie. And then the violence all really happens at the end. And they were a little bit scared. So we fast forwarded all of the violence. There's the dead dog, which I forgot about. Luckily, we fast forwarded that. So in the end, what they ended up watching was a very charming teenage romance film where Reese Witherspoon gets with a really hot guy. He's charming to her whole family. Da-da-da-da-da-da. Her dad pushes him out the window. Excellent work, Catherine. This little girl's mother is going to be absolutely desperate to have her back. Oh, Catherine, my daughter so enjoyed the lessons in fear. What are you doing next weekend? Maybe a screening of Oscar Pistorius at the 2012 London Olympics, just showing some of his greatest appearances in a tuxedo, perhaps a compilation of OJ Simpson's glory days in the NFL. Maybe play some Chris Brown records, you know? Send the girls more of those positive influences. And this is the problem with censorship. So if you have any scary movie ideas for 11 year olds, and I don't mean any of this utopian Peppa Pig generation stuff, they really wanna watch something scary, but I don't want to be sharing my bed with a bunch of little girls in the middle of the night. You know, I don't wanna be paying for this in nightmares for years to come. We're moving swiftly along to the emails now. And this one is from Arabella. Catherine, I would appreciate your advice on moving on after a tough breakup. I'm a 28-year-old lesbian in New York City. Oh, let me stop you there. Do you know what I wouldn't give to be a 28-year-old lesbian in New York City? Do you know that when I saw the Epstein documentary, as chilling as that was, by the way, none of it was news to me, the only part of, of it that was news is that, oh, wait a, wait a minute. Do people care about young women's bodies? Are we starting to care that terrible things happen to these vulnerable women? But I think the truth is, no, we don't care. I mean, I care. But I think that the feds or whomever, sometimes they'll pretend to care about what happens to vulnerable women when they want to nail someone. You know, I think Clinton... <laughs> Whenever you see a rat, there are a hundred rats you don't see. So when Bill Clinton was victimizing Monica Lewinsky, who we made fun of for years in a ton of rap songs, no one cared that that was happening. That wasn't the first time that a cigar had been introduced to a new environment in the Oval Office, but it was the first time that they used it as a weapon to take someone down. I digress as usual. I dated someone in New York City myself, Arabella, and I have to say that relationship was not right for either of us, but God, I miss his Manhattan apartment. I think about the kitchen sometimes. I think about the view. And when I saw the Epstein documentary, I had to Google map where his Manhattan penthouse was in relation to where my ex-boyfriend's house was. And they're just like three, three streets apart. Am I saying my boyfriend was definitely involved in the Jeffrey Epstein scams uh, of abuse? Yes. No, I'm not. But I don't know if that apartment belonged to him or to his mother or if it was in a trust. It was one of those. Probably the trust. But I miss the flat. Right by Central Park. Oh, my gosh. And it's July. Arabella, go outside. Have a walk around. I know New York City has a COVID problem. Put a mask on and just breathe in that New York air and stand in the middle of Manhattan for me and say, I am a 28 year old lesbian in New York city. I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm going to read the rest after a brief hiatus from law school. Congratulations. I bet you care about women's bodies. I returned to the city two years ago and began working as a lawyer that I met a girl on Tinder. I immediately clicked with The girl and I completely fell for each other and I'm about to write a very, very stereotypical statement but the cat and I effectively moved in with this girl I'd just started dating because my apartment was far. I felt like things were really falling into place. Okay, I'm gonna need to know where these apartments were. What are we talking, New York City, Soho, the meatpacking district, Chelsea, where are you? Obviously the story doesn't end well. My anger and anxiety that I've not been dealing with my whole life erupted like it always has. But this girl, unlike all my previous exes, was too grown and had too much self-respect to take my bullshit. She broke up with me, which was absolutely the right thing to do, and I'm proud for her for it. That's nice. Don't worry, I'm in therapy now, and I have been through a lot since then. Two months after the breakup, she posted the attached meme about me on her meme IG page. With the followers in the low thousands. Wow. I mean, this makes sense to me, but it is a language that people six months older than me and up will not understand. So when we were 28-year-old lesbians, then maybe you'd go through a breakup and your ex might say some bad things about you at a party or might tell some mutual friends That she felt a certain type of way about your behavior. But now what happens is people have uh, comedy Instagram pages where they will post a relatable joke or a meme like when you're dating someone who's totally emotionally unavailable. And it's like a sub tweet um, and it's sort of having a swipe at them indirectly, but they know it's directly through the use of social media. Do you understand There aren't many elderly people who follow my podcast, but if you do, that's my explanation for you, okay? And this is what the kids do now. They like meme at each other and it's very passive aggressive. This was the meanest shit that's ever happened to me. Sad face. Insult to injury, she and the new girl are now engaged. They've been together over a year, more than twice as long as our relationship lasted. My problem is I'm still in love with her. She completely broke my heart and I went through some dark months. But instead of accepting that this was just a tough breakup that I needed to move on from, I keep clinging to the idea of us winding up together. I low-key think about her leaving her fiancé to get with me after I get better. Listening to you has helped me realize I need to accept that she and I were wrong for each other. Relationships shouldn't be that hard. Rationally speaking, I know all that, but it doesn't change the fact she's still in my dreams. I am embarrassed to admit I still cry over her sometimes. I couldn't even read her meme again. (laughs) That shit cuts deep because it all feels true. I don't mean to laugh at your meme reading. I get it. Like that you, she has not named you in this joke, which I'm not going to read it for everyone because I don't want you to go, you know, find this girl to see the meme page. I never want to be, um, laissez faire with people's privacy, but it basically is a meme, like when you're with someone who doesn't get it, you know, like one of those things. And there's a picture of a Kardashian. How do I move on from this girl that clearly has long forgotten me, especially someone who did such cold shit to me? I would appreciate any and all advice. Well, early on in your letter, you take accountability and you say, yes, she did the right thing breaking up with me. I was not in a good place. She had boundaries. Well done, her. Then later in the letter, you seem to feel resentment that she did something cold to you by posting this meme and that you feel that you should be given an opportunity to redeem yourself and then when you are in a better place mentally and when you're behaving more rationally for the relationship that you have these fantasies about getting back together and once again I am not a professional I'm not even a 28 year old lesbian but I am afraid that whatever you are seeking you will find and you need to unfollow these meme pages do not look at what your ex is posting on social media because Not only will it be potentially hurtful to see her having moved on, or you might see these memes, but also it doesn't matter what other people think of you is none of your business. And I know it hurts so much, but you were only together for six months. And it seems that you have now been broken up for longer than you were together. And this person has moved on. So I think maybe to the untrained eye, mine, I think maybe you are attaching your self-improvement and your recovery to this relationship. And maybe you need to forgive yourself for having been in a bad place. You just need to wash that away and realize that you will get better. And you are getting better. And you will treat your next partner in a more mature sense. It will be an easier relationship. But you just need to sweep this one away and you being better is not tied to that relationship. You can't always get a do-over in life and this just wasn't the right relationship for you or it wasn't the right time and what you certainly don't want is to break up a couple of New York lesbian fiancés because that's a whole kettle of fish you don't want to mess with. I do have very few exes but a couple of them I've heard now and then that they still slag me off and honestly it makes them look really bad because we've been apart for longer than we were together. They haven't gotten over it. And they are brutal ambassadors for themselves to begin with. They offend a lot of people all the time. They're just generally kind of shit people. So if someone like that wants to talk bad about you, it actually makes you look great. Never contact her about these memes. Don't feel that you need to reach a point of understanding with her. You just have to let it go. And if your worry is that there's truth in the memes, you do need to forgive yourself and you really do need to move on. This woman is not the be-all and end-all. She's a part of your past. You need to move up. You need to move forward. You need to move on and steer clear of East 71st Street. What is that? It's Epstein's mansion. And it is a dark and evil place, Arabella. It's a beautiful part of town, but you don't need that. You need to go for walks. You need to do as you're doing. Listen to podcasts, listen to music, keep going to therapy, and never look back, only look forward. Thanks for your letter. Here's a letter that genuinely brought me loads of joy when I just opened it. Um, this is from Sylvia. Hi, Catherine. I've really been enjoying your podcast. I've always found your comedy to be super funny, and so I was happy to get more Catherine content. I'm 27, six months pregnant, and I have a wonderful and overly attached retired greyhound. I like walks, Netflix, reading, and various creative hobbies. Imagine my sadness when listening to your latest episode to hear you talking about slagging off someone for quilting as I sat there at my sewing machine making a quilt. It cut me deep. Quilting is good. I enjoy picking lovely fabrics. choosing a design, and the calm, methodological process of going through the various steps to create it. I made one for a friend's baby, and they thought it was a lovely present. It's relaxing and satisfying. So there, maybe think about the hobbies that you diss, hmm? <laughs> I'll still listen, though. You crack me up. Okay, Sylvia, I, re- I kind of think you're joking. Like, I don't believe that you're joking about quilting. We get that you do that. But um, your like indignation here, I think is a joke, but I really hope it's not because it's so adorable thinking about you being like, hang on a second, putting the quilt to one side and going over to your like laptop and be like, dipped, think about this. Mm-hmm. First of all, um, yes, I mentioned last week to Violet that I was slagging off someone for quilting. Here's what you need to understand about comedy. First of all, I was never even slagging off someone who was quilting. What I do sometimes is I sidestep the truth and I tell like an adjacent story with the same meaning to protect someone's privacy. So I was slagging someone off for something like as innocuous as quilting. And so I said, quilting, because I can't say the way, the real thing, Sylvia, or else people will maybe know who I'm talking about. I can't always give you all the details because i've learned in my career that people i'm no longer in the basement of weather spoons people listen to what i say now and i have to be careful i always forget my like actual family bobby's family my friends people have this thing now where they listen to my very private podcast without permission so I love how angry you are because I was never actually slagging off quilting. But now I kind of wish that I was. I, I just love this email. Slagging. The title is Slagging Off Quilting? If you are doing something sweet, like quilting, then who fucking cares who slags it off? If you're doing something harmful, then maybe, and you know, your peers and people that you respect start being like, well, you know, she shouldn't be doing that. You know, like if you're sex trafficking people, then... Yeah, take a look at yourself. But you know quilting's wholesome. I fucking know quilting's wholesome. And the whole point of the story is I was slagging off someone for something innocuous. I was being the asshole in that story. So you don't have to take things so literally. I was telling a story about me being an asshole, and then I was like, oh, I was slagging off someone for quilting. I'm an asshole. Don't worry, Sylvia. I'm already doing the heavy lifting for you. Good luck with the baby. And you quilt your little heart out and don't let any asshole drag you down. This one is from B, and I'm gonna read that is your real name. I'm gonna say it because it reminds me of Ashling B, recent BAFTA winner uh, because of her work on This Way Up, which is an amazing comedy series you can see on Channel 4, not an ad. Hashtag B, we miss B. Um, and you're not telling me anything too personal, so I, and you didn't say to block your name, so um, your name's B. Um, you like my podcast, cool. One thing I really admire is how articulate you are. I mean, that may be a very obvious thing to point out. Of course you are. It's your job, expressing your opinion, telling stories, etc. Listen, B, I learned how to articulate myself for a living. And by articulate, I don't always use big words. Um, I just feel that communicating is something I value so deeply. And it even helps me parent and it helps me in relationships I'm only in one, you know, sexual relationship currently with my husband, but it always helps me express myself very concisely, very clearly. And sometimes I feel sorry for the people around me because they're not equipped to compete with the way that I, first of all, I've had too much therapy. So it's very difficult to have a discussion with me. I understand that I have to like take it down an notch for normal people who aren't like seeing Pam all the time. Um... And uh um, uh, um uh, see, I'm not that articulate. It certainly doesn't come from reading because I hardly ever read. I think it's just practice. And when I started doing TV in the UK, I would watch it back. I never watch any of it back now, but I noticed times that I was saying, um, like, and my first live at the Apollo, when I was doing this little baby Beyonce routine, I was so nervous that I'm either licking my teeth or saying like, like, like all the time. And in stand-up, you cannot have any superfluous words. You have to be concise. You cannot be redundant. You have to get your point across and you cannot stumble on your words and you have to get them out correctly the first time. So that has helped me. Unless you are willing to suffer through 10 years of road comedy, (laughs) I don't know how else you could do it. I think what most people would do to broaden their vocabulary, is either writing or reading. Listen to yourself in conversation. Listen to make sure that you're getting to the point and start by eliminating um, like, us Or just go back in time and be raised by my mother because I think that's where a lot of my language comes from. If we said to my mother, is there any apples? She just wouldn't answer us until we recognized our own mistake and said, are there any apples, mom? Yes. Mom, actually, we called her back then. In the old country. Here's a parenting letter now from Victoria. Catherine, I'm sure you're already well aware Violet is an amazing kid. Please, can you write a parenting book or something? I need it. But this is not my main question. I'm 28, and I, everyone's 28 today. I keep flipping from thinking I definitely do want kids to I definitely don't want kids. One of the cons that's putting me off, apart from nine months of pregnancy where I can't see any pros at all, What? Yes, you can. You can be an influencer. Do you know how many pregnant girls I see flogging shit online? You can be an influencer. Everyone loves a sacred vessel. So whore that shit as much as you can. And I use the term whore powerfully. And the actual childbirth itself, which just sounds horrendous. It is sort of horrendous. It's not as bad as people say, though. And then you forget quite quickly. So, I mean, you're risking your life with every pregnancy. That is a given. But... I don't know. Anytime I read people's accounts of childbirth or I hear about them, it sounds a lot worse than my experience actually was. What do you do if you have a kid that turns out to be a bit of a dick? I love that you've used an asterisk on the eye so that you're just saying like dick, but I know it's dick. Why would you, are you writing me from work? You can write the word dick. It means like, it could even mean like Dick Tracy, like a P.I., I could even say the word dick in front of the little girl in the Duchess, and they wouldn't let me say any swear words in front of that little girl. We had to ask her parents for every single one, and they were really careful about it, even though Ricky Gervais clearly says cunt in Afterlife straight to a child. I wasn't even allowed to say words like if we took her out of the room and then put her back in so that it looks like I'm saying it in front of her, but I'm not actually saying it in front of her. No, they would never, ever let me swear in front of the child, but I was allowed dick. Dickhead? No. Dick? Yes. I gather that it's down to the parents to raise a child properly, but I don't have the best relationship with my own parents, so I don't really have a role model to try to imitate if I have my own kids. Raising a child is so much pressure. What if you fuck it up? Or what if you have a child who just cannot understand basic empathy or develop any sort of emotional intelligence? And then they spend their time insulting people on the internet, like those kids, teenagers, who DM footballers with horrific, racist messages. Yeah, where are his parents? From Violet's advice to your listeners, she seems like an intelligent, kind, and empathetic child. Do you think this is how you raised her, or something innate, or a bit of both? Thanks. Oh, well, first of all, this little footballer boy. I mean, this child sending the racist stuff. I think it's pretty clear, Victoria, he doesn't have parents like you and me. He has racist, you know, footballer abuse hurling parents as well. You've got to expect. I mean, if I was a betting man and I'm not, I would just wager. He doesn't live in a household where anyone has a taken responsibility for his devices. Because by the way, if you're a parent and you have a child with a phone, That child doesn't have a phone. That's your phone. Take your phone and read all the messages every single day. You have that responsibility because guess who signed a contract with a phone company? Not a 12-year-old because they won't have a contract with a 12-year-old. That is your contract with the phone company. That is your phone. And so you would be very irresponsible to have a contract in your name where you didn't know what apps, what DMs, blah, 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 blah. Oh, some Snapchat messages delete themselves. Okay, well then a 12 year old can't have Snapchat. It's all very, very simple. It's a little bit of work. Read their DMs. And let me tell you, Violet has not always had absolutely perfect DMs. She's uh, veered just ever slightly into the mean girls category on a few group chats. Yeah, you need to stay on it. So I think As a parent, you can do a lot to teach empathy. They're definitely modeling a lot of your behavior. However, you see these shows where a kid turns out to be either, you know, very neurodynamic where their reactions to things aren't maybe your neurotypical reactions to things and they need extra help and that's down to nothing that's in your control. Or they just turn out to be stone cold killers and they don't get the support that they need. And you don't understand why. I know there was a Channel 4 documentary about, oh, it was a horrible story. I won't even get into it. But a little boy was a murderer. And he grew up in prison. And he was definitely not well. And his mother stood by him. And she would visit him in jail and go, yeah, I still love my son. He's my son, but he is mean. And then you look at families, like look at Boris Johnson's family, They all have the same parents. Rachel Johnson, Joe Johnson, I think there's another Johnson, Boris Johnson, they're not all like him. My parents always, my mother always taught me empathy, (laughs) but I definitely had a mean girl phase of my own where I felt quite ostracized and isolated and very angry for a part of my adolescence. And that's not because my mother didn't teach me to be a good person is because I really didn't give a fuck about being a good person at that point but I grew out of it basically just have kids you never regret having kids no one comes to the end of their life and goes oh yeah but I wish we had fewer kids you don't even know if you can have kids and there are lots of people who want them just have them the fact that you're thinking about this I don't really think the racist kid sending the footballer tweets whatever you want to call him That might have been a terrible lapse in judgment. He's a child. He might have heard that from somewhere. I don't think that's going to happen with your kids, Victoria. Have some kids. Have some kids. And then you can make them like the Kardashians and you can be Kris Jenner. This is another emergency difficult letter that I've had to call Violet into my office for. Violet, welcome to my office. Hello. Thanks for being a guest on the podcast. Everyone always loves to hear your thoughts.
1: Thank you. How's your day going? Good, good, good.
0: What were you doing downstairs?
1: I was just watching TikTok. What
0: are you doing later today?
1: Going to Gabby's.
0: What are you gonna do there? Skate. Violet skates now. She's a real skateboarder chick and she doesn't wear a helmet. What does everyone think about that? Please write me a letter telling everybody everything at gmail dot com. Maybe you in the splits. are a triage nurse who wants to tell me what you've seen from young women not wearing helmets when they skate. What did you say happened yesterday? Um, I fell in the splits. Right.
1: It really hurt. Ugh, it hurt so bad.
0: And what did you learn from that experience?
1: Um, don't have a race with my friend.
0: No, you can have a race? We were having a massive,
1: like, race, and she was chasing me, and I was just running.
0: I think you're allowed to have a race. I just think you need to wear protective equipment on your skateboard.
1: Mm. No? Maybe. Maybe. And your horse riding.
0: Okay. I'm gonna get to this letter. It is from a very young man called Stephen. He is 14 years old. So bear that in mind, Catherine. I'm a 14 year old boy. And my question is, can, should I put myself up for adoption? Reasons why I'm really unhappy living with my parents. I feel trapped. I sit in my room all day because I don't want to interact with them. I don't like how my body is and I'm really motivated to change but if I start exercising, I'm worried my family will bombard me with questions. Why are you working out, etc. They silently judge me with their eyes and I hate it. You can see them thinking about me in a disapproving way. I've thought about it every day for three years, including about every possible factor and I still want to be adopted. I've been on many websites and I've read multiple stories about adoption. The problem with the situation is my mother will guilt trip me into not leaving She'll talk about all of our holidays and all of these things. I've tried to interact with my family, but it's just not working. I have absolutely no friends at my school, and I'm quite shy. I can't talk to people. I'm so shy that I don't even eat in public. I feel like I need a fresh new start and a new environment. I need to be surrounded by new people. What is your advice? From Stephen.
1: Okay, I have pretty good advice. The worry is, and I can understand your worry, if you get put up for adoption, all this... You'll deep inside, you'll miss your family because the fear is if you don't go to the right home, maybe you could talk to your parents about this, sit them down and be like, I feel like um, I want to be put up for adoption. This is why. So can we please try to fix it? Can we do anything? Can like I move schools? Maybe you can get therapy and tell them basically everything you told us in this letter. Or, Stephen, you could play them this podcast.
0: I think that's really good advice. If you're too shy to say it out loud, then you might be able to play this podcast. And we didn't use your real name. So you could just say, oh, this is about someone similar. And I think it applies to me. This is how I feel. But I am noticing in your letter, first of all, being 14 is really, really difficult because even though you're really grown up now and you have Lots of feelings, and you're really smart, your brain is still growing quite a lot. So, you do have strong, strong feelings and feelings kind of bouncing around that will settle down if you just wait a little while. I know when I was 14, I had really, really dramatic, strong mood swings. And sometimes I didn't like my family, and sometimes I wanted to leave. But I'm glad that I stuck with them because a lot of times you think outside changes are going to fix a problem inside, but those problems will follow you to the next family because what really needs to be fixed is deep, deep, deep inside. I think another dangerous thing is assuming that you can read people's minds. So when you say, they're thinking about me, they're silently judging me they're looking at me, they're going to say this, I'm worried they're going to say that. You're doing a lot of psychic prediction. So you, if you can't talk to your parents and you're shy, you can always call Childline. They will not tell your parents that you call them. They won't tell anyone. You don't even have to give them your name. And the phone number is 0800 1111 you can always call that or you can also call good samaritans that's 116123 they're there to listen 24 hours 365 days a year and that's free and they will never tell anyone that you called so it's really normal to be dissatisfied with your family and with your body and with yourself and not to have friends i know you feel really alone but it's very normal at your age to feel this way. And if you talk about it more, you might meet other people who feel exactly the same. It could be that your family just don't have the words to help you. And so when you think they're looking at you, judging you, they could just be looking at you, trying to figure out what's going on, worried about you. And if you think you have a nasty family, I mean, there are some other nasty families out there. You never know who you're gonna get adopted to. My friends have been adopted. And they're adults now, and some of them did not get adopted by nice families at all. We say, this too shall pass. It means everything has a time of starting and finishing. It will all be behind you soon enough. And if you want to work out, if you want to go for walks or play some sports, part of growing up is really not caring what other people think. So don't worry about judgment from your family. You can just say, yep, I'm trying to feel better, so I'm going outside. See if they would let you get a dog
1: a dog is such a good idea. Like, you could you could maybe have a little talk and then be like, I've been not in the happiest place right now. I think I sh- we should get a dog. And you know what I did with, like, I got a hamster. I did a PowerPoint. So a PowerPoint would be a really good idea and to convince them to get a dog.
0: A hamster will only make your life worse.
1: No, it won't if you get a silent wheel.
0: Yeah. Who's got a silent wheel? No one we know.
1: Well... Hamsters are actually a really good idea because they're there for you like 100% of the time. They're just really nice
0: and so sweet and they're the cutest. They're there for you 100% of the time for about 18 months. Well, we hope you feel better. I don't think we are collectively experienced enough to answer this very serious question. We want you to feel happy and I know that you will feel happy. You just have to be patient. Make sure you're drinking a lot of water and eating really healthy food and getting enough sleep Call these numbers if you really feel like you're in a bad spot. But I personally don't think that being adopted is going to solve it. Everyone I know was depressed when they were 14. Everyone I know. You might just be an artist.
1: Exactly. And also, to add something onto that last finishing point, TikTok is very helpful.
0: Do not go on TikTok.
1: TikTok is actually very helpful because there's so many things, like cool things that you could do on there. Like Like like...
0: get tracked by the Chinese government.
1: Oh, wait, that wasn't my fault.
0: <laughs> don't worry, Violet. I don't think you're responsible for the Chinese government. I know I'm not. Thank you for your letter, Stephen. Thank you for your time, Violet. Thank you so much to everyone for listening to Catherine Ryan and telling everybody everything. I will see you next week.